0: Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and with me for this episode, we have not only the lovely Crystal. Hello. And the young Bo. What's up? But we also have members of the newest music sensations, Nova Javelin. Matt Nova and Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, how you doing?
1: Doing well. How's it going, my friend? It's
0: going good, man. It's going good, and uh, you've brought along your uh, partner in crime, Greg, as well. I
2: What's did. That? What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good.
0: So, uh, so the three, but the, the three of them—Bo, uh, Matt, and greg uh, formed Nova Javelin. We've talked about it um, in the, some past episodes. It's a. Uh, how would you describe the band? The music.
2: Well, musically, we're uh, kind of uh, punk rock, hard. Oh prog metal. metal yeah it's kind of like yeah it's kind of prog metal mixed with a punk rock vibe i guess is, is the way it fits but i've been wondering if we should leave the fact that the so we're going to talk about on here obviously because this is a nerd culture podcast but because the songs are written about kind of like nerdy context stuff i almost want to just keep it a secret like we keep promoting the band as just a metal band and then people realize it or if we were going to take advantage of that and and uh you know, promote it in a in a nerd culture kind of way. I don't know. I like we it. You, you, could, you, you could you
0: call it uh, nerd prog rock. Is
2: yeah. That? Well, you know how they. Yeah, I like that nerd Me prog too. rock. They got that whole uh, nerdcore movement, right? That's like yeah. um, it's like rap. But when yeah. I think of nerdcore, like I think of like hardcore. Right. So like I say, we put the core in nerdcore. All
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Call it. Call yeah. it. Call it. Call it. Oh, this, call it nunk. So it's nerdy punk. Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: we're, we're Nunk. I like Nunk. it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so we'll be talking more about uh, Nova Javelin and, and uh, their EP, which they've just released um, just recently uh, later on in the show. So most of the episode will be devoted uh, to that, which means no Azerothian times. I'm sorry, bro. Sorry about
2: that. <laughs> was
0: just, just a very quick Warcraft thing. I've just discovered that your followers, your Garrison followers, can go to eye level 645 instead of yeah. 630. And if you get three of them to 645, it unlocks... New high wall missions, which you can get, like actual like raid level gear for your your character.
2: I have a little bit of a negative, and again, we will, we'll move on from this. But I have a little bit of a negative review on um, uh, Warlords of Draenor, and that's that my followers are actually raiding more than I am, and they have a <laughs> higher eye level than I do.
0: <laughs> that is a pretty sad state of affairs, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah that kind of sums up, kind of like uh, I don't know. I'm getting I'm over my followers, man. I'm about to neglect them. Just going to neglect them the way Garrosh neglected the goblins in uh, Orgrimmar.
0: <laughs> I love my followers. <laughs> right, Moving on, on from Warcraft before we bore everybody. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs>
3: I'm devastated. There's going to be no Azerothian time.
0: Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> that was that was, that was small. That was, small that was it. That was
3: that. Was, that was, that was, that was uh,
2: Azerothian short time. As <laughs> that was shorter than the intro. <laughs> I just took that time to look
1: over my taxes real quickly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Moving on before we bore the poor people, uh, so let's uh, move on to some news. Very quickly before we get into the heavier stuff, uh, we'll just mention that Image Expo occurred last uh, last week, a couple of days ago, something like that, and uh, where it's it's basically where Image just reveals all their so sort of their titles for the upcoming year, so their new releases and stuff. There was a couple of interesting titles. If you, I mean, if you like uh, Brian K. Vaughan and Jeff Lemire and Scott Snyder, and uh, people like that, then you're going to be alright because they've all got new titles coming out. So, uh, a couple of the ones that I wanted to mention were uh, Plutona, which is about a group of kids who find a dead body. So, it's basically Stand By Me, but the dead body is a superhero. Uh, oh, they, Stan,
1: he's awesome, man. Yeah. I watched it recently for the first time on Netflix. It was really good. Oh, that's good. You just recently watched it? Yeah, for it, the was first like, time? it was like from the 80s or something, but it was really yeah. good.
0: Yeah. You didn't watch it as a kid?
1: Nope, nope, nope. I missed out on that one, but oh. <laughs> I am now a whole person because I have seen it now. So.
0: Well, I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No. you love Will Wheaton. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Open up no, some no, cans no. of worms here, aren't
3: we? Not so much as an actor, more as a person. <laughs> as an actor, because he's a terrible actor. All right, Two all right.
2: out of every five people have never seen <laughs> that movie, apparently. They don't or have just seen it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, another one is uh, A.D. After Death which is uh, Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire um, We Stand on Guard which is about uh, Canada being invaded by the United States <laughs> in the future which is I don't know, they probably just keep apologising as they defend themselves uh, right. <laughs> uh, Pretty Deadly continues, uh, there's a lot of Pretty Deadly fans out there and uh, Monstrous which is about a group of giant monsters that are trying to wipe out humanity and one girl has a psychic link to one of the monsters and so then she's attacked and stuff like that um, I can't remember who's doing the art but it looks, looks very pretty so yeah. one of the titles to check out and there's plenty more you know Spawn continues on and there's plenty more other uh, excellent image titles I mean, they're basically continuing their creator owned uh, thing that they're doing and I applaud that I mean it's there. I, I don't think you can even say the big two anymore I mean it's basically the big three now nah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The image continues to kick some butt. That's, that's all I've got for image, I suppose. I <laughs> say, so I just, I just, uh, now it's, even though we are a nerd culture podcast and this is not really sort of nerd culture, I do want to mention it because it is, um, it's a pretty momentous event. And,
3: uh, we can relate it to nerd culture. Yeah,
0: I guess you can. I guess but,
3: they're cartoonists. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I
0: suppose. I mean, we don't even really need to relate it to anything. Basically, just it just needs to be talked about, I suppose. Uh, so basically, um, Last week, uh, the offices of the magazine Charlie Hebdo, uh, which is a French satirical magazine...
3: It's probably pronounced slightly different in French, but...
0: Well, I'm not going to put on... I'm not going to just disgrace myself or dishonor their memories by trying to put on a French accent.
3: That's
4: pretty
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, So anyway, so it's Charlie Hebdo. Um, so it's, it's a satirical newspaper slash magazine type thing that comes out uh, in France and is... Has basically made a name for themselves as uh, a magazine that basically just pulls no punches. They, uh, they, they pick on everybody and anything uh, that they deem to be extremist. Um, so, uh, right. Not only do they target um, Islamic extremism, but also you know Catholicism and uh, political. I mean, most of their targets were political in and nature. Fundamentalism, and, yeah, fundamentalism and, and stuff like that. So, um, they are they do. They have been, I think, justifiably criticised in terms of of being borderline racist on occasion. Um, but uh, the fact that they don't single out any specific uh, denomination or people is, you know, something that I guess is important to note. So everybody, no, nobody is safe from from that sort of thing. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, last uh, a while back, they reprinted the uh, cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad. That were p- for, that were published in a Danish newspaper, um, and they got into uh, basically a lot of trouble for. Us. So uh, the the nation of Islam were very very upset. So the Muslim people and uh, they, you know, being who they are, they went ahead and republished those um, cartoons and one that they had uh, created themselves. Um, that resulted in, uh, uh, I believe it's pronounced fatwa. Um, where uh basically some muslim uh, Muslim leaders uh said that they basically had to die for their crimes because I mean, it's uh for those you, for those of you who don 't know that you can 't uh, the Prophet Muhammad is not allowed to be portrayed in a physical sense uh and the fact that he the 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 cartoon sort of portrayed him in sort of a derogatory sense uh is what sort of inflamed them as much as it did. Uh, so they were put under uh, under guard, and that's that's um that's been happening for for quite a while. But then last week, uh, two two to three gun two two gunmen uh, stormed into the offices and killed uh, about twelve of the people there, including the main editor and and uh, ca- cartoonists and stuff like that.
3: Before um, then, the officers were firebombed.
0: Yeah, a year, yeah, a couple of years before then, the officers were firebombed and, and stuff wow. like that. So yeah, so so basically, the majority of the Charlie Hebdo people have been assassinated. Um, and uh just now um, the gunmen uh, have been killed themselves so they actually they escaped to a, uh, a French province and uh kidnapped and basically had like a siege it's called a siege. Isn't it? yeah basically a siege like scenario and the gunmen were killed during that siege um so it's a terrible event it's uh it's it's sparked uh, quite a quite a, a reaction in France itself um it's uh it's gotten... You know, quite a lot of, I don't know, attention, media attention, and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's even, it's even in a, a negative way. I mean, I don't think they fully realise this when the the Gundam themselves I mean, who can say what they were thinking, really? But, I mean, it's, it's, it, I don't think they realised that. You know, not that many people really even saw those cartoons.
3: Now the whole world, yeah. Seen them. But
0: now the whole world has seen them, so it's yeah, actually yeah. They
2: probably brought a whole lot more attention to it just by doing that.
0: Exactly, yeah. So I it's,
1: feel like I don't normally hear a lot of things like that coming from from France either. Like a lot of like big crime like that from France. I don't know. Maybe it's just...
2: It's because the paper was in France.
1: Yeah, yeah. I understand.
2: It was, um, you know, like... Um, but what extremists. I'm saying is
1: I feel like I hear things like this from other places a lot more and yeah,
2: yeah. than you do France. Yeah, it just
0: yeah. seems
1: odd all together to me. Yeah,
0: I, see, yeah. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know
2: what you're saying. I see what you're saying. i going to um, say... Well go ahead and say well, I, what I was gonna say is is I saw the protests afterwards. Yep. And, and um that was what impressed me the most. Like I really thought that the French people like protested this and, and maybe I only saw one part of it, but they they I thought they did it in a really in a really good way. Um I mean it was like there was like entire, you know, blocks just full of people holding up pins, you yeah. know, um, symbolizing that, you know, um you know, sort of free speech and and the pen's mightier than the sword kind of thing because, um, you know they were they were allowed to draw whatever they wanted to in these cartoons. You know, so like, this
1: all started because they were just poking fun at
2: yeah, at
1: like yeah, these was, extremists or whatever.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. Poke, they they like, like I said at the start, they poke fun at everybody, but it's it's basically the the gunmen while they were sh- uh killing the people were shouting things like the the the, the standard. Um, Allah Akbar uh, God is great stuff but also is uh, the prophet is avenged and stuff like that so they were basically they were saying that they were uh, avenging the disrespect that was shown to the prophet yeah yeah so the reason the reason I want to talk about it because it's I mean it's a, it's a pretty major it's, it's a major event obviously but also because um I just wanted to sort of bring out my sort of feelings about it you know I I sort of I go out of my way to try and be respectful to all cultures and all people um it's you know, right. i mean i I've said it before, and I'll say it again, racism will not be tolerated um on this podcast or basically just in my life and it's really
1: no reason for it you
0: know yeah exactly and and it's i had a, i've had a bit of an interesting reaction it's the the the, the whole the whole thing about uh, you know of so rabid islam um has been going on for quite a while now i mean you've got i mean boko Haram over in Nigeria committing just unbelievable atrocities and it's and and uh, we had our recent thing here in uh, in Sydney, where he had uh, that um, his, uh, Muslim guy, you know, had a siege at the lint cafe and, and had a whole bunch of people hostage, and some were killed and stuff like that. So it's just, I mean, it's, it and that's that's the, that's a small drop in the pond in, compared to you know stuff that's been going on throughout the years and and throughout all. I, I mean, I still you know stick to stick to my guns that you can't. I mean, you can't blame Islam for that. I mean, you, you have to blame the people who who do those sort of things for it.
1: It's and Guilty look, by association, you know. Just because you have a crazy person that is like devoted to one thing or another doesn't mean that everyone is the same way. Exactly. It just means that, that person's insane. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. And and I'm and I'm anti-religion. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm anti-religion. I think religion has caused more trouble than any good that it's ever brought Dude, to the world. And I don't
1: believe in religion myself. Yeah. So.
0: And and I'm not and I'm not anti-religious people. I mean, you choose to do whatever you want to do; that's fine. I'm just I'm just I'm uh, anti-sort of the the concept of religion. Um, Exactly. I mean, there's there's plenty of people that I've met throughout my life that are very very religious people, and you know they're lovely people. I mean, I've I've known people. You know, uh, I mean, say what you will about the Jehovah's Witnesses. But I've known some Jehovah's, some specific Jehovah's Witnesses that would give you the shirt off their back if they thought you needed it. You know what I mean? So it's it's individual people to blame, not the religion itself. And you know, right. and it keeps getting quoted that Islam is a is a religion of peace and and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I don't know enough about the topic to really comment on that. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm sure it is, and I'm, and but I'm sure it's it's just these certain people that are twisting it to their own their own ends. And so with that with that being said, it's, it's certain people twisting it to their own is It's, it's I had I had a reaction uh, a couple of days ago that I'm actually quite ashamed of, and which which is why I want to sort of bring it up is this, I had this that sort of I, I sort of I went the opposite way. I basically had that reaction. It's like, well, I don't blame the religion itself, but I do think that the the leaders, the so-called leaders of their religion, I don't know who they are or what they're called. I mean, if it was the Catholic Church, obviously it would be the Pope. But so whatever the Muslim equivalent of the Pope. They should get off their asses and actually do something about it don 't just it, actually instead of just saying, "Oh no, we denounce these, this is not Islam at all." Actually right. do something and, and get rid of these scumbags that are actually causing their religion shame right now, the reason i 'm ashamed as to say that I had that reaction, I mean, 'll be honest, I had that reaction, and you know eventually after I thought about it, I realized how stupid that was I mean it's, it's, I mean what more can they do they 're not a military power. all they can do is denounce. Yeah. And they can they can live their lives you know as good as they can and and the people that they have direct influence over and, and sort of and help them to live their lives as good as they can
2: and if, and it's probably like the the extremists are already disenfranchised anyway like they're probably already not recognized by the leaders of the community yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so
0: the the main the main leaders I mean they have their own sort of mini leaders I mean it happens it happens every time every time something happens you know you get you know some some fool jumps on Twitter or whatever, and is like, "Yeah, yeah, they deserved it." And you know, they're they're the mono- they're the minority. The majority, I mean, the amount of Muslims that are in the world. I mean, I don't know the exact figure, but it's ridiculously high. I mean, it's the majority of these people denounce it just like everybody else does. I mean, they're just people who just want to live their lives. Yeah. So, um, so even though I sort of I had that sort of reaction, I I did quickly, uh, you know, squash it in, in my mind. And you know, i I'm, I'm you know, I'm ashamed, but you know, I'm human. It happens. Um, it's and, uh, and and then just sort of brought, it came back again when uh, when uh, Rupert Murdoch <laughs> said you know Rupert Murdoch decided to tweet uh, maybe most Muslims are peaceful but until they recognise and destroy their growing jihadist cancer they must be held responsible you know stuff like that at first glance you think oh mate, it's actually you know that's, that sounds pretty reasonable
2: no I don't know what the hell that means
0: no and basically it's basically basically what he's saying is that is that. Non, the people who aren't a tr- a, a committing the atrocities should be held responsible as well as the people who are, and that's ridiculous. That is absolutely yeah. unbelievably wrong. It makes no. sense. This makes no sense. I mean, is I mean, does that mean uh, does the Pope get held responsible for every single thing every single Catholic in the world does? Of course not. Yeah. All he can do is say, "Don't do it," and you know, live by the tenets that you actually live up. You know, you actually grew up with. So I don't know. I don't know, sort of, where I'm going with this. I suppose I just, I guess, it's, it's more along the lines of I just tolerance is important. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's important to note that, that I guess that the majority of the Muslim people are not committing these horrible things. But on the flip side, there are there are Muslim you know, people, people committing these horrible things in the name of Islam, and something needs to be done. I don't know what. I'm not, I'm not a genius, I can't figure it out but there's people that have been thinking about these things for ages And uh, but even though something has to be done, blaming the Muslim people is not the way to go
1: Well i tell you what my religion is love and I'm taking new members anytime so <laughs> yeah <laughs> sign that? up for the love train you, know <laughs> I
0: mean? you should start your own religion, the love train
1: that's what I'm going to do man board <laughs> the love train, toot toot <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I can always rely on you to bring the smile to my face Matt
1: Well that's what I'm here
4: for
3: I just want to quickly uh, add that uh, I've, I, I thought it was cool that um, the creator of Asterix who's now 87 years old Albert has responded with some cartoons of his own which is, I think is fantastic
0: yeah, so check them out. Good old,
3: good old
2: asterisks. Yeah. Asterisks
3: not Reddit, taking any crap.
2: <laughs> Reddit's been full of a lot of cartoons, like in opposition. Yeah, uh, and some of them are really clever. Some of them are actually kind of borderlining hateful towards what we were talking about before, where you're trying to blame the whole Muslim race. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's important that people are trying to use har- art to fight this instead of. Uh, M sixteen. So yeah. I'm yeah. glad to see it. Actually, I was
3: just thinking before when Bo was talking about the response. That is interesting and very heartening that nobody's responded with violence. Yeah, except the police. There was no looting and pillaging. Oh it was, yeah, yeah. It was that's, just, that's yeah, all the stuff. It was sure. just a nice, quiet. Um, yeah, protest. Yeah, very poignant.
2: Yeah, I'm saying from a citizen's perspective, I was yeah. really impressed with the citizens in France. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, now, on a political level and on a like should you should one country invade another to try to to try to stop that guy i don't know i don't i have no idea that's for smarter people than me but um i thought the citizens of france were amazing
0: yeah no i i agree there's was, there's was quite a lot of it on twitter that you know like banksy apparently did some stuff and you know a lot of it sort of a signal is is you know like you said the pins it's like the pencil that was broken in half the, the, one of my favorite ones was uh, was the the pencil that was broken in half and then the broken part was sharpened to be another pencil and so it was yeah. like some
1: i think the sooner that people figure out that if we quit trying to separate ourselves for various reasons and just pull together and and be there for one another no matter what we're into or what we believe will be a lot better now i know that sounds cliche but it's the truth it won't we're, happen we're, till we're the spend all this comfort. time like <laughs> We spend all this time putting these barriers between us, and and we like to think that we're so much different than one another, but when it comes down to it, we're the exact same. I don't know. I just think if people would take the time to really think about that and let it soak into their soul and understand that there's no difference between my, my shoes on the ground and theirs, then we'd be a lot better off.
0: Exactly right. Yeah. 100% agree. 110% agree.
3: But
1: I did
0: one hundred and twenty percent gamer. agree. I infinity <laughs> agree.
1: <One of> <laughs> <me>. <laughs> that was the hippie coming out of me.
0: <laughs> no, it's good. Now you tailor you tailor right. Oh, anyway, let's move on before it goes right. What's bit. next on
2: the docket? It's do
0: next on the docket? Reviews. Let's do some mm-hmm. reviews. Alright. We'll do crystal first. Okay.
3: One of our local TV stations here, ABC2, had been advertising Red Dwarf late at night and I'm flicking through the channels and there's nothing else on. I'm thinking, I should watch Red Dwarf now. Well, I can, damn it! We've got the DVDs. We'll, we'll, I'll just watch it. We've got it on. The
0: technology to watch it. We entirely have the please. technology. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so just to read the first two episodes, um, Red Dwarf comes from creators Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, also known as Grant Naylor, and first aired on BBC2 in 1988. Starring Chris, Craig Charles, Chris Barry, and Norman Lovett as Holly. Um hey, Will Be's cat. Danny oh. John Jules as cat.
0: Yay! How am I looking?
2: I'm, I'm looking, looking good.
3: good. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on a BBC Radio 4 series called Dave Holland Space Cadet.
2: Really?
3: Yeah, yeah, yep. apparently. Uh, and they changed the name from Dave Hollins to Dave Lister because uh, someone named Dave Hollins became a famous football star. So
0: Yeah, the radio play's not very good, but I don't bother checking it.
3: Although Chris Barry is in it. so Yeah. Um, so in episode one is called The End, and it gives you the setup for the whole series, basically. If you haven't seen episode one, and you sort of jump in the middle, you get a bit confused, as I discovered the first time I ever saw a Red Dwarf episode. <laughs> I was at my nan's house watching on a little black-and-white TV. Um, which is not that long ago, really, but she just refused to get colour TV until one was invented that she liked the colour on. She <laughs> thought colour TV looked fake. What? Well, she was a <laughs> when colour TV first came out. That was years before she realised that the colour had improved, so then she finally got one.
0: Right, okay. Yep, yep. Well, yeah. anyway, so this um, is back when TVs you could, could kill a man. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like you couldn't get ten, 10 people to look at Well, I you
3: couldn't. Yeah. It was like a little black and white. Set. Oh, right, so, okay. uh, watching this episode, and, and I've got no idea what's going on. And I think I ended up then reading the books before I got to the show. So. Yeah. But anyway, episode one you uh, start on the Jupiter mining core ship Red Dwarf. Um, the, the whole crew was there. And you get to know Rimmer and Lister. The Rimmer's. Uh, second technician and Lister's just below him and their their main responsibility is cleaning out the chicken soup nozzles. (laughs) Rimmer as we all know is a smeghead, which means he's really highly irritating um, and Lister loves to push his buttons. Um, It turns out that uh, Lister has brought a cat on board which the captain discovers and gives him a choice either we kill the cat or you go into stasis for the rest of the mission. So he chooses to go into stasis because he can't bear the thought of the cat dying, the cat which is called Frankenstein, and it all fits into his plan, his five-year plan, to go to Fiji and farm animals.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Although interestingly, he's only got one of each animal, so who's <laughs> going to pull that
3: off? Yes. yes. And Fiji is submerged, so they all need stilts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fiji's two feet underwater. <laughs> yes,
3: by this point in time. Um But while while Lister is in stasis, um, Rimmer, without Lister, has incorrectly mended a drive plate which has caused uh, some sort of radiation mishap and the whole crew dies. Three million years later, Holly, the computer, decides it's safe to let Lister out and Lister discovers he's the last human being on board, probably in the universe. Um... Takes him a little while to get over this. Uh, just, it, what, he, he can't quite grasp that the whole crew is dead. It takes Holly quite a while to convince him. <laughs> um, uh, and then he uh, meets Rimmer, who has been brought back to life as a hologram. And later on, they meet the cat, who has, who is the product of three million years of evolution from the original Frankenstein cat. I say that like it's a monster. Like, the cast name was Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, and episode two's Future Echoes, which is probably one of my favourite episodes. Probably my favourite episode. What? Uh, um, I know, it's up for contention, but it's my personal favourite. I, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. Um, so they're going through uh, Lightspeed and, and Holly, who, because it's been three million years, he's gone a bit nutty and he's trying to calculate uh, and navigate through light speed. And he says this is difficult because by the time you get to somewhere to calculate it, it's already gone past. Mm. So the crew start experiencing strange things where they see future echoes of themselves. Um, My favourite scene being where uh, Lister walks into the drive room and tries to have a conversation with Rimmer, but then suddenly realises that Rimmer's actually talking to somebody who's not actually there. Can't figure out what's going on. Storms And Rimmer storms out. I need to storm in again immediately from the other direction. And then Lister has the same conversation with Rimmer, only it fits this time. Hmm. It's it blows, brilliant. blows his mind, blows my mind. It's, it's just <laughs> awesome every time I see it. It's trippy, man. Um, so that gives you a quick rundown of the first two episodes. Uh, Red Dwarf has won awards. Um, it's won... I can't read my own writing here. Oh, gunman of the apocalypse which is uh, from a much later series won an international emmy award in 1994 um in the popular arts co- uh, category i think it tied with a uh, absolutely fabulous episode it also won best pbc comedy at the british comedy awards and it won a royal television society award for special effects also won a british science fiction award for best dramatic presentation it's, it's probably different to any other TV series uh, TV series I've ever seen before. Um, it, it's very silly, silly, but can also have a, a, a serious side. It's just, it's very engaging. Um, probably up until you get to around the sixth series, and then it kind of jumps a shark a little bit. <laughs> uh, I, but I'd give these first two episodes anyway a five out of five looks.
2: Bo, didn't you watch Red Dwarf? Yeah, yeah, I watched Red Dwarf. I thought I heard Scott talk about it too. Scott loves the it, podcast. yeah. I couldn't get into it right away. Like, I watched it didn't like it and then i said something bad about it on the show and scott almost killed me yes <laughs> and scott so it. yeah so i gave it a second i said gave it a second watch now i watched the whole first season thinking like i don't really like it much but like it must be good because scott likes it i just i'm not i'm not seeing it yet but then um, sure enough like it, it grew on me I, I ended up watching the whole thing I, I liked it after a while it just i think the first episode it just kind of like i don't know it didn't grab me right away
3: yeah, yeah but good. you do need I to watch it for the setup. what it was yeah, it's very British. So you
0: have to like British comedy. There yeah, is an
3: American version.
0: Oh, it's still it's awful. <laughs> I was so, going to
1: say, wouldn't that be terrible? What's terrible. the American version?
0: The American? It's just based, It's just a remake of the show, but it's with American pleasure. actors. Yes, yeah, so it's got <laughs> Craig, <laughs> uh,
3: Craig Bierko as yeah. uh, Lister, and
0: although um, Crichton's in it.
3: No way. No, there's a,
2: there's an American it. Red Dwarf. Do- it's called it. Red it? Dwarf.
0: One of one of the original crew is is in it. It's, I think it's Crichton.
1: Because no, American, it'd woman. be called red midget.
0: A red midget. <laughs> I like your, I like your dark preparation. that was very well done. Thank you. Nice work. <laughs> I uh, it's, it's, an, it's an excellent show. Check it out. And, uh, but like Crystal said, uh, as it until until season six, where it just is abomination.
3: Yeah, and don't go to back to Earth. That's just. It's bad. The only good point about Back to Earth is it does bring back the little Rimmer dolls.
2: <laughs> it reminds me of um, uh, Hyperdrive or whatever that show was. Yeah, but it's a far better version of it. Hyperdrive wasn't terrible, but yeah, you're right. It is better, though.
0: <laughs> so, Bro, do you want to go next?
2: Um, around this time last year, I did a review of Saga, and at the time, obviously, it was like 2013, uh, or it was, maybe it was the beginning of 2014, but needless to say... Um, I hadn't read any of the issues that came out in 2014 yet because it hadn't happened, um, which we only had like eight or nine. There wasn't 12 issues. It didn't come out every single month. They missed a few months. But um, so Saga, for those who don't know, is a. Um, it's basically they call it a space opera, which which I get I get what that means. It's like a uh, soap opera style um, story um, set in space, and it's by uh, Brian K. Vaughn. Fiona Stable's art looks great in the book. It's not... she Like, she has a unique style, and it's not the most elaborate art in the world, but it suits Saga so well. Like, it it looks really good for Saga. Um, The storyline is really political. Um, It's a story that encourages peace, um, and um, I think that that's unusual in the comic world, actually, Um, because usually comics work out like the good guy beats up the bad guy, and... And then good out, you know, good wins in the end because it was stronger, you know. And then and while that's that's a good message, it's it's like it's still like the only way they can tell the story is through violence. Whereas Saga is like the main character is a pacifist; he he tries not to do you know any harm. And most of the main characters are. Um, it's only really the uh, the bad guys that incite violence, and um, and it's about uh, it's about two races that are at war with each other that have secretly had a baby and um so even that is like you know it's about like uh you know the love train and all that that matt was talking about (laughs) yeah um so (laughs) these two different races um their their people is sending like um people out to kill them um because they want to get um they want to either cover up i think one group wants to get the baby back and the other group wants to um cover it up that they were even able to have a baby in the first place because they don't want other people doing the same thing because this would just promote peace you know and and they're profiting from the war and so um in 2014 the story kind of goes more into that aspect of it of who is is gaining from these two races being at war with each other um it goes into even the media they show some characters that are like reporters and um you know how they report different things going on um and um how they kind of skew uh, certain things to look a certain way um, to promote a different side of the story than if you were actually there you might have saw a different way um, they don't introduce a huge amount of characters in 2014 but um, the ones they do are, are really interesting in that sense um, and again we only got we got like eight or nine issues and, um, and as far as like the main characters there was a lot of side story in here uh, the main characters are actually kind of over the course of 2014 kind of drifting apart a little which is really sad because I want the couple in this book to be together forever. I don't know why. I just I just love the two of them. Because um, <laughs> you're but, romantic. Why uh, don't huh? you marry them, Bo? because <laughs> well, I want them to be. I don't want to be. I don't want to be in the love triangle. <laughs> like I want. I want them to be together. I don't want to break that up. You know.
0: You could share Bruce on the love train. <laughs>
2: yeah, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to talk about without giving any spoilers. Because if you have it read right from the beginning, I highly recommend it. Um, right now it's um, two volumes and a few comics, so it's pretty easy to jump on if you jump on now. Um, and I just think it's it's definitely an adult book. Don't give this to your kids. Um, it has a lot of nudity. has a lot of sex. Um, David, what is the opposite of war? Do you know the answer to that question? Death. Death. You do know the answer, okay? Uh, So you read Saga, then. All right. So the opposite of war, and uh, I'm not going to answer it, but that's the like it's it's all philosophical. Like I I love I love this book. It's it's really an interesting read um, for the adult reader. If you've read comics like your whole life and you're you're looking for a new type of story that's not necessarily uh, you know Superman uh, beating up Lex Luthor, Mm-hmm. then then this this is definitely a good book for you it's it's a uh, and if you're not even if you read the book and you're completely oblivious to the to the um to the political motivation behind the book then you will still enjoy it because it, it is a space opera um it is it's very much like star wars in in that i feel like it's just this ragtag team of people that weren't meant to be together that are, you know, through this weird set of circumstances, are, you know, trying to live out this story together. It's, it's, it's an awesome book. Um, I'll probably review it every year until they quit making it. Um, so this was 2014 run of Saga. Still loving it. Um, as far as comics go, four, four out of five Lukes, maybe five. Man, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Five out of five Lukes. Wow. Yeah. What's a Luke. it's it's an NCP thing i I wish Luke was here that's awesome you should have seen my face
1: (laughs) we're making up our own language now what are we doing
0: Uh, it's just it's just a quick explanation yeah instead of you know five stars or you know five whatever uh we call we call them looks because luke is one of the people on the show
2: He's a harsh critic, so oh, okay. if you got five Luke's, and it's a, it's like a really good. So thing. it's like five Scots.
0: Yeah, yeah Let's we'll yeah. just
2: start doing Scots. Yeah, <laughs>
0: All right. That is exactly right. So five Luke's is pretty impressive.
2: Nice,
0: nice review. Yeah, I, I agree. I think One, never I never given a five. Sorry,
2: I didn't even give Interstellar a five.
0: No, but well,
2: Scott to me is is like like revolutionary in the comic world. Like I think it's like really innovative.
0: No, I'm, I'm totally with you. Inner doesn't deserve a five, and, uh, but uh, Sarko is, is brilliant every every issue.
2: I'm
1: glad you guys like it. I wrote it. <laughs> 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 <By Matthew Myers. laughs>
2: and Brian
1: K.
0: Vaughan and, yeah. and, just, and Brian K. Vaughan just helps every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mainly Matt. Cool. All right, well, let's uh, finish up with my review. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing an Australian film called These Final Hours, which came out in last year, in July last year. Directed and written by Zach Hilditch And it stars Nathan Phillips As James and Angry Angry. How do you pronounce this girl's name?
3: Ang- Angory? I don't
0: know, whatever, and it, it stars some little girl As Rose And it's basically about Some little girl <laughs> well, She's like like 10 or something uh so it's basically uh, the end it's the end of the world uh the, our meteorite has hit the earth uh in the north atlantic and its subsequent shockwave is going to destroy the planet in uh about 12 hours time so it's uh north america's the first to go so sorry boys and because of the because of the impact <laughs> zone uh australia oh. sorry mate
1: it's
0: probably better off that way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so because of the way the impact works it's not exactly scientifically accurate but the way, basically the way it, it explains it is that it uh, travels around the globe and Australia will be last, specifically Western Australia is uh, going to be is going to be last. Um, they
1: got to cater to their crowd. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's, it's, they've, got, they've got to make it that way. So it Kimmy. It's, it's, right. it's not completely. Off, it's not completely out of the realms of science, but that's you know that's basically oh, I, what's happened.
2: They wouldn't be able to film anything there. Yeah, they they yeah. filmed it
0: there. So they had to do that. So uh, so this guy so James is uh, is is a bit of a bit of a loser. He's you know he basically just you know lives lives life. Uh, whatever he wants and has, you know, no, no regard for anybody but himself. And, uh, you know, he's, he's sleeping with multiple women and, you know, he doesn't have a job and basically just, you know, sits around and does nothing. And, you know, and not in a, not in a good, you know, love the world type of way, just in a completely narcissistic, I love myself and only me type of way. And uh, I like describe me. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> no, I said, I said, it, I said, I said, uh, I said, not in a nice way, in a narcissistic way.
1: I'm, I'm
0: kidding. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it's with
1: multiple men,
0: not one. <laughs> uh, so with multiple men. But yes. uh, anyway, so he, um, so he, there's 12 hours to go and he's on his way. He's just, he's leaving one of his girlfriends uh, who's just revealed that she is pregnant. Um, and because there's only 12 hours to go, it's, you know, he doesn't want to know about it. He's, he's like, well, I'm going to go head off to this party, like a party to end all parties. Uh, and basically no just,
1: and- sorry. So no pun intended.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> pun completely intended. And uh, he's so basically he's just going to screw and take drugs and you know basically be in an, obliv- an oblivious state when the end comes. Uh, while he's on his way to this party, he comes across uh, two guys who have kidnapped a little girl and uh you know the the implication is that they're going to use her for nefarious purposes. And uh, he, despite himself, he decides that he can't let that happen, and so he saves her. And she says uh, by killing them. And she says that she, was, that she was kidnapped while she was waiting for her father, who was off to get petrol because they're on their way to to be with family to sort of basically see, see the end together. And she needs she wants James to take her to her father. Um, so that's basically that's the that's the basic plot. And I don't want to give uh, any any more away than that. I mean, it's, it's it becomes you know a road trip sort of stuff from there. And you know, it's basically a sort of a journey of discovery for James. So it's, it's, it's the chance for James to be a better person uh, when the end of the world actually occurs. There's none of this sort of heroic... Sort of, there's there's, no, 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 there's no getting out of it. The, world, the end of the world is coming.
1: There's no Bruce it's not Willis. fist fighting yeah. an asteroid or nothing Yeah, like no, there's no
0: Bruce Willis and they're going to blow up the asteroid before it comes. It's already hit. The, the shock wave is coming.
3: Bruce failed.
0: Bruce failed. Right. <laughs> 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 there's no Aerosmith song or anything like that. Right. Yeah? Uh, so... Um, I actually thought this was this is quite well done. It's it's uh, I I think it may be the first attempt by uh, Zach. Um, if uh, if it is, it's it's pretty well done. It has some very interesting sort of uh, has some very interesting sequences in it. Uh, namely, I quite like the radio guy that sort of shows up every uh, that sort of pops up every now and again and sort of describes what he's thinking and how he's feeling and and basically just sort of gives a timer to how much time is left before the end of the world. Um, and uh, there's a scene in a library where uh, James tries to offload Rose onto a policeman and his family because uh, he thinks the policeman will be better equipped. And it turns out to his horror that the, the policeman is in fact not better equipped. Um, I don't want to give give away why, but it's uh, he decides to take Rose with him. Um, and it's you know, various various scenes like that. And I, and I do and I do quite like James's journey. Um, it's I think it's fairly convincing. I mean, he's not a he's not like a serial killer or anything he's just he's just a sort of normal aussie bloke you know sort of thrust into a situation that you know would be pretty horrible i mean i mean how would you feel to know that the world is coming to an end at a very specific time and so i mean what were you what would you do with that and he decides I just
1: like man i'm gonna get some good sleep <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so sleep through it you reckon
1: sleep the
3: end.
0: yeah yeah no oh, that's fair enough as uh, I, I, I at uh, i've I'd
1: hug
3: my wife. I'd be jumping on the love train.
1: <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the love train. will oh, the love train, man. Yeah, right. man. We'll just have this crazy, yep. time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG. <laughs> yeah, let's
0: not give any specifics. Uh, so, but anyway, so, so his journey to become sort of a better person, and and you know how Rose helps him do that, and until <laughs> until he gets, he becomes the person that he does when the end comes. It's um it's not it's not perfect by any means. It does have some problems. It's um it's some of the acting is really quite bad. Uh but I think that's buoyed by I mean just how well uh the story sort of fits together and sort of the emotion that it that it uh, brings up in you. Uh, well, in me at least. Um the reason one of the reasons I wanted to review it was I mean I've I've watched a heap of movies over the holiday break, as I've mentioned before, just heaps and heaps. And uh this was this was one of them. Um and the reason I wanted to uh, to review this one specifically is because uh one it's australian so i can say australia's own these <laughs> final hours uh because i'm so fond of doing but also because i just think the australian film industry is kind of harsh on australian films and i'm not too sure why that is like this film got rev- uh, quite good reviews internationally um the only negative that i review that i could see was one guy who said i can't understand a word they're saying because of the accents it should come with subtitles which i think <laughs> is hilarious uh, but uh the you know, I mean the international audience really really seem to sort of uh, embrace this film. Whereas the Australian the Australian film industry, the reviews are sort of vary between, it's it, it's okay to, you know, it's pretty good, but it's nowhere near as good as you know the Americans are saying it is sort of stuff, and it's I find that kind of
3: odd. <laughs> is it the Australian tall poppy thing?
0: I guess I guess it is. Yeah, it's I mean we seem to be harsher against our own output than we are against anybody else. It's. It's weird in it a world banged. where the Transformers films
1: exist. It's this is quality control,
0: man. <laughs> it's quality control, you reckon? In what way?
1: That way, if you're if you're harsh on your own films, it, it, it kind of pushes you to make
2: better films. No,
0: that okay. th- oh, so you saying it's like a tough love?
2: Yeah, yeah. But I I don't know. I, I, I think, think it actually
0: just works out the opposite. I think just it becomes it. People become our strained filmmakers become jaded. And it's like well, if our own
2: overseas.
0: if our own audience is not going to appreciate us, what's the point? We might as well just go overseas. So. Oh, okay, I see what
1: you're saying
0: now. Yeah. I mean it's, it could be could be the way you were doing it, who knows? But uh yeah, so I enjoyed it. I mean, like I said, it's not perfect, but it's uh it, it definitely brought up some emotions and uh, I quite uh, I quite liked in, you know, partaking the journey, so I'll give it uh three point five looks. Cool. Awesome. So let's uh, move on to uh, what all of our listeners have been uh, waiting for, especially Greg, who has been silent the entire time. He's <laughs> are you, are you still there, dude. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> Alright, cool. Uh, so let's move on to uh, Nova Javelin. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's uh, I actually I personally know some uh, rock stars, which is pretty cool. Okay, okay. it's a pretty exciting oh, like stuff.
4: Musicians. Yeah, yeah, musicians. It's <laughs> a uh,
0: musicians. I personally know some professional musicians, which is pretty cool. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, on to you guys. So Nova Javelin uh, is, uh, it's, like I said, the stars is bet with Bo, Matt and Greg, uh, form the group. Uh, they've just released their EP. It's available on SoundCloud. The links uh, are, are going to be up on the website um, and Facebook and stuff like that. But I just want to take this opportunity to sort of, sort of talk about uh, the band, sort of like the, sort of the the beginnings of the band and why you do what you do and... And uh, and then we'll talk about the album, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's it's I'm I quite like the idea of like concept albums and stuff like that. I'm a big fan of those sort of things. Um, and I, it's just sort of the this opportunity to to know the stories behind the tracks is pretty cool. So uh, let's let's go for it. So let's start it off with um, so the band and like how you, the the name and how you how you guys started and got together and stuff.
2: Well, both came up with the name, so I'm not really sure. Okay, well the the name was just. Um... I mean it's from the book The Last Days of Krypton. And um they just they keep talking about the Nova javelins and I just I thought the name was cool. And Yeah, it's like um, a super
0: weapon that some Kryptonian guy creates, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> um, I was but, like, man, that sounds really metal. That's gonna be the Yeah, of yeah.
2: I was just like I read the I was reading the book around the same time that we started talking about getting back together again. Um because we, we actually have played together in three bands. Just three bands? Yeah. Me and Greg maybe four bands. Right. Yeah, so we were in one before Matt. But it all yeah. started as the Guns of August. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, like ten or eleven years ago or so, we were in a band called the Guns of August. It was the three of us, and um, uh, we were me and Matt were just out of high school and uh, thought we were going to be famous musicians. Yeah. It was not like it is now. So now we have very like uh, we're like we want to. We want to sell a few albums on the internet and we want uh we want people to listen to it online but back then it was like that's our job there's like, no we're... point in me going to college no there's way no <laughs> point. i'm gonna be a huge rock star like yeah. this is this is it you know <laughs> <Nice>. um <laughs> and um so that was that was kind of like where it all started was back then yeah. and um we played a lot of shows small bars yeah. stuff like that yeah um and and uh there was this um there's always in this town. There's always been this kind of scene of, of well, I wouldn't say there really is now. I think it was just just back then. It was really popular back then. But um, there was like this scene of, of hardcore bands and metalcore bands, and um, I, I mean, there was a few shine. There was a few standout bands that was shining, but I mean, I think everybody kind of like thought that like the Guns of August was you know one of the better ones, right? right? But certainly uh,
1: one of the most. Uh, different sounding bands that were around we didn't sound like anyone else you know yeah we
2: tried to definitely sound unique um but then um we kind of quit playing for a while um life comes fast yeah and matt played matt's played in like a lot of different projects blues bands and all kinds of stuff yeah and um and we started a few bands here and there the three of us it was always with other people though it was always like um you know with another guitarist Another bass player, and then I would sing, and, and Greg and Matt would play drums and guitar, and um, we kind of got the idea to get back together and re-record the Guns of August. Like we were like going to re-record our Guns of August CD, and um, then whenever we started doing it, it was it was kind of weird because it just didn't feel the same as it did um, back then. It was almost like that music was. I wanna say simple, but it was just like different. Like it didn't Mm. feel it didn't feel like there was any point of redoing it basically. The moment has passed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so so we just decided and also uh, oh I do have to say this the Guns of August had a bass player actually. I I didn't play bass and sing, I just sang. And um, He was phenomenal. Yeah, that was one of the best things about us. He still is one of the best bass players that, that I know. And and that was another thing too, is that since we couldn't really get him and nova javelin it was kind of like you know are we even the guns of august anymore we should do it we should do something different so that was when we kind of decided to do nova javelin and um the podcast was was um really popular when we were deciding uh to do it and we said well we have an audience um that we could kind of promote the cd to so why don't we make all the songs kind of about things that we might would talk about on the podcast so so in a w- in a weird way, like Nova Javelin is kind of part of the legacy of ECN like it's part of the ECN lore right um, that we that we decided to start a band um, on the show and we even recorded the CD using the podcast equipment <laughs> yep um, so, so it's like, um, like
0: the soundtrack of ECN.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know what's crazy is in a lot of our videos and stuff, like even in the New York video, I used Nova Javelin music. Right. But no one knew what it was back then. <laughs> we hadn't released the C D. It was just like I was just like, I need music to play on the podcast that's not copyrighted. Yeah. And so we're not, we're not gonna sue ourselves. <laughs> like some of our interview episodes, like when we do the cons and then I play music between the interviews, yep. some of those were Nova Javelin. And uh. I didn't even put it in the notes or anything. I just I just played the music on there. Cool. But yeah, that's how the band started, and uh, I, I don't know, I don't know where to go from there.
0: <laughs> um, so the so you mentioned before that so you're so you're the sinner, and the Matt is the drummer and Greg is the guitarist.
2: Correct. So, so yeah. Is that
0: so? That would be lead guitar then. So you don't have a bassist?
2: Yeah, I play bass and sing. Oh, you uh, play
0: bass and sing. Multi yeah. talented.
2: Yeah, he's he's actually really
1: good at it, man. It's it's impressive watching him. You know. I can see him trying to fit it together. Like we had practice last night. Yeah, and, uh, we're actually already working
2: on writing for our next our next album. That's yeah. We wrote a song last night. It's about um, it's uh, I think I think the next album is going to be themed too. So this last one was kind of themed with um, uh, with uh, just kind of like minute stories from um, you know, from different uh, types of uh, media. But this one, I think I'm actually. I think it's going to be mostly movie and TV show quotes that I could turn into a song.
0: So you talk about. So you talk about the the theme of the album. So let's let's talk about the album a bit. So it's it's a self titled EP. Uh, it has a. I, don't know, I haven't used the word wicked in a long time, so I'll use it now. A wicked logo. That's an yeah. awesome logo. Who, who designed the logo?
2: That was a Fiverr gig. Yep, oh. I paid a guy five dollars to design that, That's and he awesome. did a really freaking cool job. He yeah. yeah, he was he was a nice guy. He listened to the music and. And kind of wanted to get a vibe of it, and um, he was a really nice guy.
0: Cool. Uh, so, so it's um, and it's uh, five tracks, yeah.
2: Yep, um, five of, tracks. Of, of, yeah, four four uh, songs yeah. and an intro, really.
0: An In intro. Okay. Well, let's let's go let's go through the tracks uh, one by one. If you can just give us um, some background on, but uh, you know what what they're about, and put it together and all
1: this stuff.
2: Okay. The first track. Is there anything special about the first? Is there anything Not special really. about the intro? Well,
1: the only thing to be said really about the intro is uh, when we had the idea to 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 write this album, we wanted all the songs to connect, and we wanted we wanted it so that you could listen from the first track to the end of of the EP and and put it on repeat and it never stopped. All the songs connect, and then when it starts over, it starts over on the similar riff or the same
2: riff. And Greg can probably explain how that works. Really, yeah. so with
1: that being said, let's
2: pass it over to Greg. Well I made the I made the, the intro and the last song in the same key. That way, you know, it it connects and you don't really you don't notice it I guess consciously, but yeah, it connects and it makes sense in your head. So that way it just, it's like seamless. I just know that when we were recording, like um, Greg, he always when we were writing the songs, he had to like make notes of like what key each song was in. And there's a few ch- there's a few places where we actually had to do a key change in order to make this this mm-hmm. idea work. Um, so yeah, I mean, all of that, all of those kudos go to Greg. I mean, he planned out like how each he he planned out what key each song would have to be in in order to make it to make it flow like that and be seamless to wrap all the way back around to the same key again what um, does
0: the title come from the five, the five and a half minute hallway
2: yeah the five and a half minute that comes from um that comes from the book house of leaves the oh, five no, and a half too. minute hallway was the name of the video in the beginning of the book cool that's a that's a nice subtle reference if anybody got it
0: <laughs> awesome so track two t- uh, Teresa falls up the stairs
2: Yeah, Teresa falls up the stairs. Lyrically, is about um, is about uh, John Locke and, um, and and it kind of explains the ending of Lost, but it does. <laughs> but uh, I, that whole did though. Yeah, yeah, right. I'll I'll hang up on you right now.
4: This whole dream.
2: If you've never watched the show, it's not like a spoiler. So like you don't like like if you don't if you've never watched the show, you don't know what the compass is and how it relates to the island. But like um, the song, the, the song kind of opens with a little bit of John Locke, John Locke's story, and how um, you know he has this kind of blind faith in the island, or, or you could argue that it's not blind. I don't know. Depends on if you're on Team John Locke or Team Team uh, Jack Shepard. But um, if I had forgotten the name, that would have been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but uh, like uh, he has this blind faith in the island, and he basically bases all the decisions that he makes. Um, in life just just based off this faith and um again we were talking earlier about religion and all this kind of stuff and you can kind of see it from both sides where it's like he's either being led blindly or um because of this faith and this it, it gives him motivation to you know to move on um and then the the last like the last bridge of the song is uh is literally my theory on what the ending of lost is awesome but it is but lost is so ambiguous that like my theory might not be right. Like, it's everybody has their own theory. So, I mean, really, if you listen to the song, it could mean, it could mean anything. It's really just – that's what I love about writing songs this way. It's like if you don't know the backstory, you, just, you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I love that.
4: <laughs> I think
1: another,
2: another important thing about
1: track two is when we first got back together and decided to start writing new music – that was the first song that we officially wrote together. Yeah. So that song kinda holds a special place in my heart and it's one of my favorite songs on the album because it was the first new song that we wrote as a group once we started back. And it kinda set the pace for the rest of the E P. Although none of the other songs sound like that song, it it gave us that that push and that 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 inspiration to to go ahead and I and think it's a good opener, set, though. Yeah, yeah. To, go, to go ahead and set forth the idea of writing a con- a, a continuing album that connects all together, you know? Yeah. And once we wrote that song, that's when the wheels really started turning. It was like, what if what if all this connected together and we made, you know, we wrote an album as opposed to writing songs. So that song kind of put us in the mindset of writing an entire album instead of writing just a song in its, like, singular state. Yeah, so It was a big part of the whole project that song itself yeah and it it, it is
2: like a a mix of different styles of of hardcore too like we had the really southern style at the beginning and then it um in the middle it has uh, like a screamo kind of um more i I don't know the term but more um uh, i don't know if any of hardcore is easy listening but you know what (laughs) i mean like i really i
3: really like the middle bit uh, the the spoken word stuff
2: yeah, it's the, only, the, it's the only song that has keyboards it as has well. It has piano, yeah. yeah.
1: Who, who was the and
3: keyboardist? Greg. Yeah, Greg
2: played yeah. all the parts. <laughs> I kind of fudged the little part for the, the middle part of that song. It sounds good. It sounds really good.
0: Jack of all trades, Greg. Jeez. <laughs> we have a
2: we have a saxophone plan for the next CD, yeah. <laughs> we haven't worked it out yet. Uh,
0: if you do a saxophone, please have some, the guy playing the saxophone with no shirt on and he's all oiled up.
2: You can imagine that he's that way,
0: yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no point,
2: let's be honest. You know, the curtain's
3: billowing in the background <laughs> and red and blue lights.
0: So, track three, Relative Displacement.
4: That was the first time for me! We're moving
2: different directions. We're moving different directions So relative I displacement. Lyrically I wrote this song about I had been just toying with uh, for for a few days I was kind of driving around in my car and I was I was toying with um, the, the part of, um, of Doctor Who where, uh, River Song is telling the doctor, um, who he's going to become and... No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No spoilers. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what River would always say to the doctors. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, and,
0: uh, <laughs> A quick explanation yeah. <laughs> to the non-nerds. <laughs> uh,
2: the idea just popped in my head, like, what if he was like really insecure about it? Because we do see the doctor a lot of times being insecure about different things. Especially especially Peter Capaldi. Uh, Like and I thought about like if 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 someone if someone like if you really did like just say just take the doctor out of the equation. If you somehow met your wife um you know years before you actually met your wife and she's telling you, you know, one day you're gonna be this person and if it's a bad person, then you're like, oh, cool, I have a chance to change it. But if it's, like, a really good person, you're like, I could mess this up. And, like, I'm really insecure about it. Yeah. And, like, I want to make sure that I live up to who she thinks that I am in the future. And not only that, but, like, um, whenever, someone, whenever someone like that, like, um, you know, cares about you in that way, you do want to live up to who they think you are, you know? And so that's kind of, like, what I, like, wrote this song about was just kind of that moment in time. Uh, for the doctor and like, you know, I just I that's one of my favorite moments on the whole CD. Is that is that track? Heck yeah!
0: Awesome. Uh, track four: Dead Hearts.
3: Which I thought uh, was this, Dead Horse this, when I first heard it. Dead Horse. <laughs> dead Horse. <laughs> in Australia, that means tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah,
0: tomato sauce. <laughs> uh, so, so, so Dead hat.
2: It works, though, because like Dead Horse still beating, it yeah, sounds exactly. like it's still beating a Dead <laughs> Horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was a bad decision. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> this song actually was a Guns of August song that never got recorded. And um, not musically, but lyrically, I just I reused a uh, Guns of August song just to try to again bring it back to like we were originally starting um you know the guns of august over so i used um it's not the only guns of august lyrics either i used um uh that line at the beginning and the end of the cd my name is revolution that's that's a line from um american machete which was like our uh like most popular guns of august song that never got recorded um and so those two things were kind of just drops to guns of august fans but that song is is like mainly about like uh how uh, it's it's just it's just like a really punk rock song about like um, how corporate America can stifle art and um, that kind of thing. It's a oh. hard song to describe. That's, that's his <laughs> political stand on the CD.
0: Oh, yeah. that, that is very interesting. Actually, it's actually my favorite song on the EP, uh, Dead Hearts. I especially oh, love the yeah. uh, the key change. I don't know. I just. I, I really. I really. Like, I. I have no musical, you know, knowledge or expertise. So I can't really describe what I'm saying. But uh and I like, you know, I, I like a wide range of music. And it's sort of. This was. uh I just. I just. I, re, I just. I really. I'm I'm very. I'm a big fan of sort of the. Sort of the music behind the lyrics. Like most of the time. Like I'll be honest with you. Like I actually. Most of the time, I didn't really understand what you were saying because. Um, yeah. Because of the way yeah. you sort of you, you were singing it re- isn't really sort of my sort of thing. But so I sort of, right. I sort of, so my ears sort of tuned more to of the music behind it. And I just and yeah. basically from the, from start to finish this song is just like just a joy to the ears. It's just it's just you know it's like, you know and then halfway through it completely changes and I'm like. Did we just get a new track? The, no, it's the same. It's the same track, it's just, but it, but it's still, but it's seamless, and that's what I like about it. Like you get a lot of songs that do this, that try the same sort of thing, like it, and, um, and it just, it's quite, ch- it's quite, it's quite clunky. I think. I mean, like, I, like I said, no musical knowledge, so I can't say that they're bad, but it just, it just seems to be quite clunky. Whereas this, it does it in such a seamless way, and then sort of goes back, and you know, and sort of completes the circle. I just, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, really good. It's really, really cool song.
2: That's funny too because um, that that part is actually a mistake, right? That's the part that you put together. Yes, yeah, the very end of that song was actually it was just a drum track of Matt. It was supposed to be a drum solo, and I was going to try to fit it into one of the songs and have and the, what we originally wrote for that song didn't work, and I didn't like how it sounded, so I wrote a completely new part over Matt's uh, drum solo, and it fit and it worked perfectly. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. used so Greg. Ooh. Greg used like a drum clip that was just like a scrap, like where we were recording drums and Matt had done this thing that just happened to get recorded and was extra. And then Greg wrote that part over it and it all fit together. And when me and Matt heard it, we were like, I don't even remember recording that. (laughs) I I looked at Bo and I
1: was like, dude, did he hire somebody else to come in? Like I don't remember this, that but it was cool. one of the sort of scratch like, drum tracks I recorded.
0: That's sort of the organic way that this sort of is, is put together. So it's it's like
3: just, it made itself.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's so creative. It's awesome. I wish I had any musical talent of any kind, but unfortunately I don't. You uh, that the
3: app that you did.
0: Oh I yeah, mean, I do like that app. <laughs> sweat baby, sweat.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds great Bo and, I, Bo, that, Bo and
0: I should get together that, and do a song hold and, uh, up that
1: was way back in the, in the beginning when yeah, we I first, don't remember that yeah, yeah that but, was one of our first dates you guys
0: yeah it was <laughs> ages ago yeah it was cool
3: <laughs> listen listen back to the clip show you'll hear that yeah that's
0: that, just that bit of the clip in the clip show <laughs> yeah. it was gold anyway so uh back to the general moving on to track five and of of our fathers
2: Yeah, this would be your favorite track this is my favorite track of the ep well basically this song is weird because we had written all the songs together and then this song greg had written we learned to play it we recorded it and then i still hadn't figured out lyrics for it and so but it to me it just felt like this epic narrative and i'm not really good at narratives really more than i am kind of just introversive like i'm, I'm more good at like taking a moment of something and then over analyzing it and kind of giving you the introspective version of it, but this to me seemed like it was should be like a story somehow. Yeah. And so I was thinking like you know usually metal if you if you have those kind of it's like they they have the whole genre of Viking metal where it's like <laughs> these like stories of like of the hills and like <laughs> like, yeah. like pillaging and stuff like that. So I was like, well, the most epic story I can think of is World of Warcraft, and this was right in the like. Warlords hadn't come out yet. I had just listened to Christy Golden's book, and um, I was like, my two favorite characters right now are Garrosh Hellscream and Bane Bloodhoof because they're they're integral part of the current expansion. Probably are going to be in the next expansion, although they're not. And um, then you know, so I was thinking like, what if I wrote a song about them? And I kept trying stuff, and I couldn't figure out anything. But then I found a um, I found a YouTube video where they played all of the sound files for a specific character and you could listen to all of them. And I found Bane's and I found, um, garages and they kind of told a story, even though they're not talking to each other. I kind of felt like, um, and maybe I was just reading a lot into it because of the Christie golden, book told I a just, story
1: in a hard ass way is what
2: they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt like it kind of told a story. Like if you kind of, you could kind of put it together in such a way that it would kind of tell a story between, um, between Bane and, and, uh, garage and i changed so there are some exact quotes in this from the game um but not not all of it is and um it's uh it's a really cool like it's not really a narrative because it's only quotes but from the quotes you kind of get the idea especially garages where you know it's like talking about how like you know fear hatred anger these are weapons of war and like Um, you know, like, I, I just, I love that line. It just, it says so much about, not just like World of Warcraft, but it just says so much about like, you know, how like, um, you know, war is, is really handled these days where it's almost a business transaction and the media is, is, you know, a weapon of that war, you know, promoting fear and, and, um, it's just, I just, I, I don't even know that the makers of the game intended any of that, but it just, to me, Garage just seemed to speak to like the real life war machine and not just the World of Warcraft. War Machine, and and so that's why I kind of put this song together from that.
0: Cool, awesome,
1: this, yeah, this is very, very cool.
2: And <laughs> Lord will fall.
4: Let the name of hell scream. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got to ask. I've always I've always wanted to ask uh, a sinner this. Scene. So you know, now now that I actually personally know one, um, I've got to ask this question: Does that not hurt your your voice, your your throat?
2: It's uh, like anything else. That, there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. That's true. That is true. If you know what you're doing, it won't hurt your voice. But that doesn't hurt my voice. So, like, the uh, the medley kind of uh, – we, we – I don't know if this is, like, a real term, but, like, we've always had this term of screaming and yelling. Yeah. And – the three of us know what that means, and I don't know if every band has uses the same terminology, but we've done that for years, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about that the other day, how we just say that willy-nilly. Yeah. But like um, screaming, like that whole like... The thing, distorted raspy sound. That mm. doesn't hurt my throat at all. Of course, I did it for a long time, but that doesn't hurt my throat at all. But what I'm more into is the yelling thing where it's like,
0: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for moving away from the mic when you did that.
2: Yeah, yeah. That will that will actually hurt my throat after a while. And more and at practice I have to yell so loud because I can't hear myself um that it hurts. But whenever I'm recording, it doesn't hurt because I don't have to yell as loud. I can actually hear. Um but when we practice I kinda wanna hear what it's gonna sound like and if you turn the amplifier like as loud as all the other amplifiers in the room, it just We generally play on like Eleven. <laughs> like our <volume>. hey, yeah, <laughs> for spinal
1: tap. We we're always
2: on eleven. And is it
0: is it hard to transition the way you do? Like there's one of the tracks where you're you're basically doing the the sort of the hardcore scream sort of thing and then sort of like you talking it's it's almost like you're talking. And then you sort of, then you go uh-huh. sort of sort of more sort of sinning, then sort of you go back to the screaming again. Is that are you actually cutting at that point? I don't know how music sort of put together, but is that just well, sort of one yeah. one continuous take?
2: When we recorded it, yeah, we cut it. We did it all yeah. separately. But yeah, I could do I can do it live too. It's it's um I'm actually better at the vocals than I am at playing bass. Um I actually struggle more learning the songs on bass. By the time I get the song learned on bass, I can I can sing it and play it at the same time. It's it's I struggle more with with playing bass. It's cool. in-
3: it's interesting to hear how you actually do the vocals because I I discovered I've got this problem when it comes to metal tones and I discovered it watching uh, music quiz show here, where they had this game where you've got to guess the tune, and it was all metal sounding tunes, but they're like popular pop songs. And everyone oh. else was getting it; they oh, could all yeah. they could all pick the tunes. And I'm like, but I can't hear it. And I realised perhaps it's not the problem with metal; perhaps the problems with my ears. <laughs> 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 and because they're they clearly they're hearing stuff that I can't hear. I didn't hear it just hear just as tone. So I have I have a I have a problem with. That, how you're singing there so I can't really hear anything you're saying having said that, the music is great
2: <laughs> I, I, uh, I wonder if that's a thing Like, um, I yeah. think it's well, an actual yeah, I thing
3: I think that's an actual thing I, mean, I, I can admire the skill that goes into it and the way you're talking about the way you put it together is fascinating, I just can't hear it
2: it's, <laughs> Weird. I wonder the way like your taste buds are different, so like you you eat different foods, yeah. And the way people hear different frequencies. I wonder yeah. if, that is, if that somehow affects what music you listen to. Yeah,
3: mm. I mean so, yeah, like, some of my favorite bits of yeah. the album. Like I really love the last minute and a half of relative placement. I mean they're the, all the softer tones, and I think that's just the way yeah. my ears work. Mm.
2: We well no, I mean that's I mean that's my favorite parts too. Is I, I love that, um, and and that's why I've always played with Greg is because he's really good at doing that change like that. Um, and even when we were the guns of August, that was kind of what we, they called us elevator core, right? Because we would play like heavy stuff and then it would just break jazz in the, out of nowhere. In the jazz for like two riffs and then back into the heavy stuff. And it <laughs> elevator was, cool. I think my dad coined that, but like it would do, it would, it would really like, it was a really cool thing. And we were really into, um, uh, between the Barry and me, yeah. which is a band that does that too. Um, and, uh, that was, they were, they were, they're kind of famous for that. Cause they do a lot more than that now, but their old albums is that's that's kind of was their was their uh, kind of niche was they would just stop and do something else, mm-hmm. and it's neat because you're like it kind of takes you by surprise.
1: I was really into a band called Into the Moat at that into time. Into the Moat, yeah, they yeah. did the similar similar thing as well. Yep, well, even bands like the Smashing
2: Pumpkins did a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, and it yeah. keeps you listening. It makes oh, it I love interesting. The yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Smashing Pumpkins.
3: Yeah, yeah, love the Smashing Pumpkins. But I just want to tell you, oh. I, I love the album, and it's going to stay in my permanent playlist.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Thank, yeah, it means thank a you. lot, you guys. So I knew going into this, and in every band I've ever played in, and, and I and I hope that Greg and Matt would say the same thing. I know that it's it's a type of music that not everybody enjoys. It's yeah. like whenever you stretch your ears out, whenever you whenever you decide oh, I'm going to get gauges. I know that when I walk into a gas station, they're going to ask me, "Did that hurt?" Yeah. You know. And I know when I start a band that screams, people are going to go, "Is that music?" You yeah. know what I mean? Like I understand that not everybody is going to get it, yeah.
4: Um,
2: but it's what sounds genuine to me, and anything else would be disingenuous from me, anyway. Yeah,
3: it sounds just as professional to me as
4: any other album I've
0: ever heard. Well, well thank thanks, you. That man. sounds that's awesome. A huge yeah. compliment. Yeah, that's that's spot on. Uh, Sorry, um, that was that was absolutely awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks, guys. Just uh, the behind the scene sort of nature of, of how these things come together that was cool stuff really cool uh let's move on to coming soon uh so yeah so australian cinema is january 15th we get birdman finally awesome
2: uh, uh, i heard it's really good yeah. i didn't get to see it in theaters oh man go see it
0: yeah, um, i'm great. handing out for it. i think it looks awesome uh an australian film called paper planes about a young kid with a a crappy father, and his father's played by Sam Worthington, so I can understand that his father's crappy, because um, <laughs> that guy sucks. Uh, and he, uh, he basically he, he becomes famous because he can make really good paper planes. That's Australian films for you. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, and Unbroken, which is Angelina Jolie's director effort about uh, a young guy who uh, he's like some sort of Olympian champion, and he gets captured by the Japanese during World War Two. That's all I got. Anything for the states?
2: In the States, on January 16th, we have Paddington, which is that uh, movie about the bear. Yep. Uh, (laughs) uh, We have Black Hat, which is the movie about the really, really buff guy that is somehow a computer hacker. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not usually the stereotype. When I'm not in the gym, I'm cracking (laughs) codes. We have The Wedding Ringer. um, And let's see. Three Night Stand. That's too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, that that looks like
0: uh, that looks like it. That looks like it. All right, cool. Awesome. Well, that's uh, it's been an awesome episode. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, sort of seeing the behind the scenes magic of uh, of how an album comes together. So, um, like I said, uh, the links are there. So check it out, please. You know, it, it, spare a couple of dollars to you know, help the guys out and you know purchase their music and if you, if you like it, purchase it and
3: so NovaJavelin.com.
0: Yeah, NovaJavelin.com. The links will be there. But um so just to, so just to finish up, so it's uh it's been a pleasure uh having you guys on. Yeah so that's uh, it's goodbye from me and uh, the crew. Crystal.
3: Rogan Yeah <laughs> I like
0: how point. you did the devil hordes there. That was hilarious. did well, you <laughs> see it. Uh, Ab and Bo. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and Matt and Greg
2: yes sir take <laughs> care my friends.
3: Thank thanks guys you've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast we'd love to hear from you send us an email to
2: feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com
3: you can run on our wall if you go to the Facebook page go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast tweet us at nerdculturecast Skype us on nerd culture podcast. if we don't answer leave a message we might even play it on the show you can comment on any post on our website
0: www.nerdculturepodcast.com
3: If you'd like to support the show, use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net or search for NCPTV on YouTube because we also have a YouTube channel don't forget you can rate review and subscribe to the show on itunes wondering where you can hear more of bo go to
2: ecnradio.com. com.
3: bo and david also have another podcast called film flams more info at
0: www.filmflames.com.
3: you can find all of our podcasts and more at
2: undercastnetwork.com
3: thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes